On this edition of the Iowa Business Report. The farm economy is getting weaker, but still above water. Manufacturing sector still above water. The Midwest economic outlook was quite positive a short time ago, but it's a much different story now. White House officials cheer the latest quarterly economic numbers. And in our business profile, we'll reintroduce you to a central Iowa company that collaborates with businesses to deliver a unique product via exact specifications. This is the Iowa Business Report for the final weekend of October 2022. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. Dr. Ernie Goss of Creighton University is the nation's leading expert on the Midwest economy. He oversees two monthly reports, the Rural Main Street Index of Bankers and the Mid-America Business Conditions Index of Supply Managers. After an initial post-COVID period of strong recovery, conditions have changed greatly in the past six months. I asked economist Ernie Goss to assess the current situation and give us the outlook for the rest of this year and the beginning of 2023. Jeff, you know, our surveys, and we do two surveys, as you said, we do the manufacturing survey and then the rural banker survey, and both surveys are pointing to the same thing, weaker growth, and that's across the midsection of the country, with it stretching from North Dakota and Minnesota uh, north to uh, Arkansas and Oklahoma down the south, over to over to Colorado and Illinois, Colorado in the west and Illinois in the east. All of it's showing the same thing, that things are slowing down, getting sore, and uh, the farm economy is getting weaker but still above water. Manufacturing sector is still above water, but it's heading in the wrong direction. Are these folks that you talk with, and it's such a wide cross-section between the two surveys, are they pessimistic because of what they fear may be ahead? Because, for example, uh, in, in the ag economy, we don't even know what the harvest is yet, so we can't really count the dollars of revenue. Are they somewhat skeptical, though, because of what they fear the cost will be for inputs, regardless of how bountiful the harvest was? Well, I think it's looking forward, Jeff, and as you know, the the uh, GDP numbers for the third quarter came out uh, this week, and those are not bad. But if you look at third quarter last year, also not bad. What we see in the third quarter generally from the national standpoint is a buildup of inventories for the Christmas and holiday buying season. And so that's part of it. Now, what's happening in the, the sectors you're talking about, what we depend heavily on is agriculture and manufacturing, the dollar has been very strong, Jeff, and that's because of the Federal Reserve raising interest rates. And you don't need an economist to tell you they're going to raise rates on their next meeting, November the 3rd. We'll get a rate hike of 75 basis points or three-quarters of a percent. Now, what are they trying to do? They're trying to slow the economy down even more than it is right now. And that's going to mean, of course, uh, the inflation rate will come down somewhat and the economy will definitely cool. So, that's intentional. That's what we're going to see. Our confidence numbers reflect that. And the overall consumer confidence, that's a U.S. number, was down in October also. 
Obviously, it's a big country, it is diverse, and trying to control economic policy in a capitalistic society is not easy. But it almost feels like the folks who feed the world in the middle part of the country, with manufacturing that goes with that, by the way, not incidentally at all. all right. This is the area of the country that's not really being focused on. In other words, in trying to prop up some of these other areas of the country, it almost seems like the monetary policy that the folks in Washington are taking is going to dramatically and detrimentally impact folks in the Midwest. Absolutely, Jeff. What's the process? And the process is the Fed raises rates, which tends to push up the value of the dollar. That makes goods from this part of the country sold outside the U.S. borders relatively more expensive. For example, I'll give you a case. Beef now in Japan compared to a year ago is about 41% higher simply because of the value of the dollar going up. So that comes back in the form of exports coming down and overall income for this part of the country coming down as well. But it hasn't hit yet, I have to say. And again, that's what we're looking at going forward. Now, the good side, if you can look at a good side, imports get cheaper. In other words, goods that are produced in Japan, I'm speaking of, not here. But Japanese goods produced abroad coming into the U.S. gets cheaper, but that tends to reduce GDP. So fourth quarter GDP is going to be weaker than third quarter GDP, which was 2.6% growth annualized, and that wasn't exactly great to begin with. But it exceeded expectations, and so you're suggesting that may all be true if the numbers are accurate, but it is not the start of some long-term trend, which some in the administration have suggested is the case. That's correct, Jeff. We just had two quarters, that's first and second quarter of this year, negative. This quarter, it was higher, no doubt about it. At least uh, that's what we're seeing now. That will be adjusted going forward, but it's still going to be positive. But nonetheless, we're looking, staring down the barrel at even higher interest rates. I expect the interest rates to be higher, as the short-term rates, by one percentage point by the end of the year. Long-term rates, we're talking about mortgage rates double what they were a year ago, double. And that's because of some actions by the Federal Reserve, but primarily other factors The Fed, and this goes underreported, the Fed is selling down and allowing their balance sheet, that's long-term treasury bonds, to come off their balance sheet. Well, what the heck does that mean? It means those bonds are maturing, and that's raising interest rates as well in the long term. And they're doing this to the tune of $95 billion per month that they're allowing these to come off their balance sheet, of course. And that means they're sucking dollars out of the U.S. economy onto their balance sheet. So exchanging their bonds for dollars, of course, that, again, reduces the money supply, which reduces inflationary pressures. If I was reading the labor participation rate numbers correctly, they have not been this low other than the immediate pandemic period. Our numbers right now haven't been this low since 1977. Is that something that should be concerning to us? I mean, I know we had a tailspin at the end of the, uh, after the 2008 recession, but it had started to tick back up, and then COVID hit and everything changed. But this is still not a robust participation rate, is it? That's right, Jeff, it's not. In other words, why are these individuals choosing to not be at work, not even looking for work? In other words, they're at home. And I'll bring up the factors. COVID-19, some are still afraid of COVID-19. 
Secondly, is affordable child care. That's a big issue. A third one is the federal government is paying more and more for you to be on leisure instead of working. Now, that's not as much as it was there, but there's still a motivation and incentive, financial incentive from the federal government for you as an individual to not be out there working, and uh, that's that's another issue. And finally, of course, the baby boomers, and I'm one of them, we're retiring also. So those are all combining, as you said, so that the number of individuals either working or looking for work is at a very low point compared to the overall population. It is hazardous for me to say predict the future. More hazardous, I suppose, for you to respond. But here we are in the last quarter of 2022. Do you have a sense of what the first quarter of 2023 will look like and perhaps even into the second quarter? Is there going to be a distinction based upon time of year? What does your crystal ball show us at this point? Unfortunately, Jeff, it's going to likely be negative. In other words, a decline in GDP and it's still not, it's going to be a tough economy out there. There, And it's going to be tougher for agriculture looking forward. Agriculture is not going to look as good in quarter one and two as it has in quarter two and three of this year, 2022. If you look at farmers, we asked the bankers about the uh, farm equity, and they're still strong. And in your neighborhood there, Jeff, we saw auctions, a one fifty-five acre plot. I guess I can call it a plot. Went for twenty-six thousand, more than twenty-six thousand dollars an acre. Well, you can't grow corn or soybean and make money at when you're paying twenty-six thousand dollars an acre in the land. So, and that's just reflective, maybe, of farmers' long-term outlook. In other words, farmers are looking beyond the first half of two thousand twenty-three and looking at three and four and five years down the road. Dr. Ernie Goss is a Creighton University economist. We connected on Thursday, October 27th. Still to come, national numbers show improvement and new uses for familiar products. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. This is Michael Swanger, owner of Iowa History Journal. With the return of college football, don't miss the story behind gridiron legends Jack Trice and Duke Slater in our September-October issue. Read the story of their incredible legacies and why their alma mater is Iowa State in Iowa. Play their football games on fields named after them. Add our story to your tailgate and get your copy of Iowa History Journal at Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Hy-Vee, Fairway, and iowahistoryjournal.com. Support for the Iowa Business Report comes from the Iowa Business Council, a nonpartisan nonprofit organization working to elevate Iowa's economy through leadership, research, and advocacy. Learn more and review the latest quarterly member survey by going to iowabusinesscouncil.org. National third quarter economic data was released this past Thursday and White House officials were quick to point out positive signs. U.S. Deputy Secretary of Commerce Don Graves and I connected shortly after the reports were released on Thursday. This has been a continued indicator that the U.S. economy is moving ahead, that we are still creating jobs, that the economy is growing, that uh, everything that the president has been focusing on uh, about investing in American business, investing in the American people, is playing out the way that we'd like it to. Of course, we know that uh, inflation is still too high, that the price pressure, the cost that 
every American has to deal with is still too high, especially for families that are struggling to make sure that they have food on the table and keep uh, a roof overhead. But the good thing is that the president continues to take every effort that he can to deal with inflation. That's why we've spent so much time focused on things like making sure that there was more uh, release from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, millions of barrels of oil to bring down gas prices. And we've seen that have a, a direct impact uh, over the course of the summer. The, the overall gas prices are down across the country by more than a dollar and a quarter since, since the beginning of the summer. So the president's going to continue to take those types of actions. And frankly, that was the core part of his agenda, and which is making the necessary investment in clean energy. We know that we are too beholden on other countries right now and their production of oil. And it's important for us to uh, make sure that we have clean energy in this country that is made in this country, that we're creating the types of good-paying jobs that would result from manufacturing of solar panels and wind turbines and the like, and that will make us a more self-sufficient country and, as I said, not beholden on, on other countries. So we're going to continue to make these types of investments and do everything that we can to bring down prices. But yet the Midwest is really suffering, and it was doing so very well immediate post-COVID period, but there's great pessimism in the Midwest. How do you square the fact that this is a very large part of the country, the one that feeds the world, that is being left behind at this point? Uh, as a Midwesterner myself, I know the, the pain that families are feeling, that, that small businesses are, are facing. Um, and I will say that uh, it's why we focused on the types of uh, investments that, that we have. Um, manufacturing across this country is back at levels that we haven't seen in many, many years. Um, American manufacturing is back with nearly 700,000 new manufacturing jobs in this country created since the president took office. Coming up, innovation within the supply chain. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Secretary of State wants to remind you that Tuesday, November 8th is Election Day. Polls will be open 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. Be sure to bring your ID. Saturday, November 5th, county auditor offices are open for absentee voting. Monday, November 7th is the deadline for absentee in-person voting. Remember, you can find your polling place online at voterready.iowa.gov. Tuesday, November 8th is Election Day. Polls will be open 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. Don't forget your ID. For more info, go to voterready.iowa.gov. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, educating, guiding, advising, and coaching Iowa businesses. Search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook and get more at AdvanceIowa.com. In this week's business profile, we'll revisit a conversation from August of last year with Daniel O, President and CEO of AgCertain a food, agricultural, and bio-based product development, manufacturing, and marketing company. It's finding even more ways to utilize Iowa agriculture and expand its markets. We're building a modern, flexible, and agile business that really is focused on the combination of identity preservation, taking products all the way through the supply chain and getting them to consumers who really care about what they're getting and how it's handled and how it's produced along the way. 
and putting together flexible manufacturing so that we can process and create a wide array of food and animal feed and oleochemical products all in the same sites. We're doing that here in central Iowa. We've got a home office in Ames and our main manufacturing facilities out at Boone in the industrial park, and it's gone really well. We started in summer of 2019, so we've just passed a couple of years of operations. One of the reasons we got going is we, we realized that the market is increasingly choosy. <laughs> you know, that, that might be the best way to say it. When you think about consumers caring about what they're voting for with the dollars when they make purchases. Next to that, the need for businesses, and we're a business-to-business company. We sell directly to other businesses that use ingredients. Those companies need a super high-quality channel that can provide lots of specialty ingredients, for example, edible oil or USP refined glycerin, the two, two product lines we do right now. They've got to protect their brand. Brand safety is a big, big issue. Sometimes a very small percentage of their total finished product has one of these specialty certifications and they need places like us that can deliver a really high quality assurance product. When we looked out there, we realized Iowa does wonderful, awesome commodity solutions at high value. We have some smaller producers, practical farmers, people like that that can do farm to table. But over the last several decades, things in the middle really got squeezed out. And there's an opportunity to build an integrated, highly refined quality product production system. So what is it that distinguishes ag certain from others? Is it the size? Is it the fact that you can do multiple things in the facility you've created? Or what distinguishes you from what was in the marketplace, picking up on what you just suggested? I think a couple things distinguish us. One is we're right in the center of agriculture, which is here in Iowa. And being in the cultivation corridor with Ames and Boone and all the talent that exists here is is a big deal. Secondly, we have been assembling smaller, very flexible production assets under one house. So we can take truckloads or rail cars instead of unit trains. We can process in a very flexible, quick changeover sort of way at the right size for the businesses that we're working with. And that is unusual because most of the stuff that's built out there, you'd have to shut down, clean the facility for a week, switch it over, and most of these companies would lose money every moment they're running because they were built for a whole different size. So we had to scale our business to be able to do many things at once, have a paperwork and tracing system that can match all that, train our workforce so they can handle what really is a craft and artisan type production system, but do it in a way that top 100 companies will feel really comfortable with. It's a new set, new sizing of really high quality production. And that was interesting to me when you mentioned a moment ago that you're dealing business to business and these people need a guarantee that they're getting good quality material, that the chain of custody is pure, that they can rely on what they are receiving. Has that been an issue for these folks or where else would they get their materials to where, again, you're able to offer something unique? I think they have been able to get high quality product, one product at a time from a company. What I think is harder as their product lines have gotten smaller. So, so, you know, when, when we all grew up, billion dollar plus food lines, that are one family of products that we all go buy at a place like Hy-Vee. 
Well, now you can just look at IV and see how over time one aisle has become many aisles, which has become a big section. But each one of those products is more like a 10 to $50 million type product. And they, they all have their own special needs in terms of ingredients. And there are not many places big companies can go to get a lot of those ingredients at the same time efficiently manufactured. So I think there's a growing demand. And at the same time, as we're able to do this, I think one of the big derivative benefits is we're going to help smaller farmers have a channel to go through so that they could have higher value products on their farms and not have to be five, 10, 15,000 acre farms and get a higher return on smaller work on smaller farms. What interested you about taking on this challenge and ramping this business up? I spent quite a while in biofuels and biomass-based diesel. Really loved the value-added agriculture and the manufacturing side to it. And you saw around carbon intensity and environmental benefits from that, the tracing and tracking that is required to deliver that value. That knowledge plus understanding the growing consumer demand that you see throughout all the grocery system right now made us realize that there is a real need now that can pay and develop a business that will serve our future consumer needs. And and I think it's a great hard problem. We want to support and grow agriculture further. We want to do value-added work here in Iowa because that's the best way for us to keep that value locally. And the talent exists locally to be able to think through it. So it seems like the right time and right place. Daniel O of Ag Certain. We spoke via Zoom on Monday, August 23rd of last year. For more information, go to agcertain.com. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. We're also found on all the major podcast distributors, 19 now in all. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, providing business solutions and support to small to medium-sized businesses. Let's work together. More at AdvanceIowa.com and search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.